0: Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. One of the things that I like to suggest to a leader is that you never burn a bridge until you know why it was built. Uh, and I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is that they start eliminating things and and without understanding the history behind it. it and sometimes there are great reasons why this is in fact, and then you have to end up going back and either re, reinstatement or, or, or trying to fix the problem that you mm. create by just automatically burning that bridge. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices.
1: Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 122. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Philip Hickman. As a distinguished public speaker, Dr. Phil has presented at national conferences and workshops for organizations such as the U.S. Department of Education and Columbia University. He's a prolific author with three books that showcases groundbreaking methodologies in leadership, personalized learning, and emotional intelligence. Dr. Phil is a versatile entrepreneur, having created Playbook, an AI-powered reading technology solutions firm. He has also co-founded multiple nonprofit organizations and played a key role in successful edutech ventures. Dr. Phil, great to have you on the show today.
0: Well, thank you. It's, a, it's an honor.
1: It's a pleasure to have you, author to author and educator to educator. My background is in education as well, uh, so I'd love to talk more about that over time. But I, it's interesting. you know. I, I sometimes go on to LinkedIn uh, to check out my guests before we meet to get to know them a little bit better. I looked at your profile, and you've got a very diverse uh, list of, uh, I guess you would say, professional experiences. You know, mm-hmm. in schools and elsewhere. Why don't you talk us through that a little bit and kind of bring us to the present?
0: Yeah, just as a, I did everything in the field of education. Um, I have five graduate degrees and a doctorate. Um, I was a uh, assistant. I thought uh, I had
1: a lot. I, thought I have I'm, two. I have like, two masters
0: <laughs> and a doctorate. But go ahead. Cool finishing up a, a eighth degree, an MBA um, as well. But um, in education, I started out as a, a teacher, uh, special education, and then I was a school psychologist. Um, and then I was assistant principal, principal, uh, director of education, started a charter school, uh, came back to the public sector uh, and became an assistant superintendent and a superintendent of some of the largest school districts in the United States. And then superintendent in a, a rural district, um, I was an area superintendent in Houston, independent school district. We had 300 schools, 210,000 students. Um, and then in Mississippi, uh, I was in a rural district. And then I worked for United States Department of Education. Then I did some work for uh, um, Apple and, and Amazon, and then uh, worked for Oracle uh, for a while. Um, and at the same time, I um, once I you know taught myself how to code and program, um, and, and then I developed a playbook. Uh, which is my uh, education technology company um, in the process.
1: So if if we went back, just curious, went back to, let's say, you, you know, 15 or 16-year-old Philip, and you're still sort of, sort of figuring out your career path, what was your inclination at that time? Were you um, planning to well, be a teacher? Did you have that entrepreneurial spirit then? And then you kind of put it to the side, how'd it go?
0: Yeah, see, uh, back then it was actually uh, computer technology and robotics. So uh, I tell people a story all the time. I, um, my, my brother and sister had to go to summer school, and and as you know, with multiple children in a family, uh, you have to go if they have to go because you can't be left home alone. Uh, and so, I, I wasn't in high school, but I, I went to a high school summer school, and and the only class that they had available for me was a computer class. Uh, it mm-hmm. was DOS. I mean, the blue screen. <laughs> yes, it, it, back in the days, and so I fell in love with technology. Uh, but then, of course, back then in our school systems, we were not equipped with technology. Uh, the the class that I had was uh, typing with a typewriter mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. until my senior year, and then we had a computer class, but it was still just typing basically on a computer. My father uh, had worked for UPS, um, and he would go to the wealthy neighborhoods, and he would buy you know back you know you use a Commodore sixty four. You only mm-hmm. can use it to so much. And, and, you know, and then and so I had every computer. I had, you know, from the beginning Apples, Commodore 64. I had everything that you can think of. And just with the floppy, with the hard disk, floppy disk, everything. And I and I just fell in love with technology. I just didn't have any other means to go that direction. Uh-huh. Uh, and so um, of course, you know, went to college on a football scholarship and was a was an honorable student. I went through education and then revisited my love with technology.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I, I don't know them that, that our past mirror exactly, but I know that when I was, um, I guess you would say the college equivalent, I was kind of like getting an undergrad overseas, uh, very focused in religious studies at the time. I didn't see myself as pursuing that type of pathway beyond. I thought I would move into law, which was something that had drawn my passion and interest. I thought I'd be good at it. And then, you know, something happened i i decided i was pretty good at teaching other people and that i could inspire them <laughs> sorry change of season in these parts um anyway so that's that's it always fascinates me because i see a lot of people let's say go into education and they become lifers you know they typically progress from teacher to some type of secondary administrative role eventually to principal head of school even superintendent sometimes they have to then come down a little bit you know, off the perch and take a different position as they move through their career. But it's not super, super common for educators to then become entrepreneurs and to venture out of the relatively safe framework, if you will, of education into this other area. So I did it because I, I, I know, I'm sorry. I, felt, I did it because I thought it
0: was a life mission, meaning um children i feel like you know god given my mission is anything around children so i wanted to make an impact and i and i found out as a teacher i'm only gonna impact my classroom as a principal i only can impact that building as a superintendent you're not in charge <laughs> you think you know but it's really the board but 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 my point as a superintendent was to impact the, uh, a whole district And the in the united states department of education <clears throat> is to look at you know how could, from a nation uh, a national standpoint but then I, I realized with technology, I mean, we had such a reading deficits. Uh, we have 75% of fourth graders in the United States read below grade level, no matter what socioeconomical uh, environment they're from or anything. And so how could I really impact the world in a sense? And so I, I, I you know, I, I learned how to code. I wanted to look at uh, you know, how could I really develop something that would be, uh, you know, that would provide an impact? Uh, and and that's why playbook is is not kind of your uh, original based technology. It was, you know, one. I'm an educator, and I've seen all the technology that comes in in reading. The only way that we can assess reading right now is we quietly have a child read a paragraph and answer multiple choice questions. Well, that's reading comprehension. It has nothing to do with basic reading. So I devised a technology that actually can uh, from speech speech recognition, not only can hear the child read, but can hear all the way down to the unit of speech to the phonemic level. Uh, And so if a child read the word back, I can hear but acts or the lack thereof, and really start
1: recommending using AI to recommend interventions. Wow. So I'm going to move away, even though that fascinates me, and we could have a conversation (laughs) certainly about education and reading and decoding and all the elements of phonemic awareness, because number one, I understand it. Number two, I actually help some schools currently still in that area. But what I'm interested in, especially for this conversation, our broader audience is that transition piece. Now I mentioned it before as a, as a teacher turned entrepreneur, but it really can be, I would say anyone from an employment position to somebody who wants to venture out on their own. So they've got this great idea. They see a need, they see a deficit, they want to fill it. And they say, well, that that's all fine and good, but I don't have the funds. Um, I don't have the wherewithal. I have no business acumen. I've never done this kind of thing before. So all the barriers, all the limiting beliefs start to make themselves very, very prominent and 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 loud in a person's right. ears. And I, I know, I I can't give a number, I don't think any of us can. I know that there's a very high percentage of ideas that never see the light of day. Mainly because people don't feel like they have the means by which to advance them. So I'm not going to ask you to unpack your entire process of how you were able to do it. But if there are some nuggets, if there are some, whether it's mindset related or actual tips or steps that people can take, they have a great idea. Maybe they don't want to give up their job right now, but they want to start a side hustle. They want to see, test the waters. They want to see where it could go. But it does mean being in charge. It does mean being responsible, taking responsibility for anyone you bring on along with you, and that's a daunting and scary thought for many people.
0: It is, it is, and execution is, I think, keen to to all of it. And what you kind of describe as the imposter syndrome, uh, people need to understand that that's normal. Um, that you you feel like that I don't have the ability, I shouldn't be here. What am I doing? Um, you know, I, as far as a, a entrepreneur and, and technology. To me, the, the the top secret is that you need funding. Um, and like you said, you know, especially in the path of the educator, which is not a highly paid field, you want to think of how you can get funding. There are a lot of pitch competitions um, that that's what I started out. I started doing a lot of pitch competitions and I won all of them, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars, Google, all of those kind of, you know, uh, you know, so close to a million dollars um, in funding. Uh, just from pitch competitions. If you want to talk about a mistake Ooh. I made, uh, uh, the, the first pitch competition. You're, I went you're,
1: pre, to, you're preempting me, but that's fine. Go ahead. We love <laughs> the, to hear about mistakes. The first pitch competition
0: I went to, I went to as a superintendent. I went mm-hmm. to, I, I came as a suit and tie. I mean, everything you can think of, you know, I, I had the, the shiny shoes and man, um, from the beginning, they were thrown off just from my attire. and And mm-hmm. it's, you know, you you have to be able to dress the part. And for us in education, dress the part is that if someone's in charge, they're wearing a suit, right? The, the suits yeah. are the principal. In technology, it's a, it's a casual attire. <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. a certain format of pitching that you have to learn. And so I lost my first and last competition, the, the first and only competition. And But the blessing that they did was a small business association. They gave me a business coach. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and that business coach really sat down with me and explained to me, you know, one, this is how you pitch this is what they're looking for. Uh, two, you know, everybody thought you were overdressed, and just all those great critiques um that allowed me to continue on and win different competitions, join different boot camps, accelerators, all those kind of things that helped me transition from an educator, which you know, I believe as a superintendent, you know, some of my budgets is 2.7 billion. Some of my budgets were five hundred million, um, and so I felt like I was a I was a CEO. Uh, but there, I, I think the out, the outside business of a school is actually totally different. It's not that you can't learn that framework, but it's totally different than being a leader within a a school district.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. If you've got a if you've got a budget in front of you and you've got money kind of guaranteed against that budget that's totally different than having to go raise it all yourself and take on yeah, that responsibility. So that is certainly interesting. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, I, I say you have to hunt and kill what you eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. That's right, which is not what educators typically are used oh, to. Every year it comes, all.
0: it's guaranteed. That money is guaranteed.
1: You know, we we hunt. We don't kill our students. We maybe hunt them a little bit, but uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Anyway, no, but it is It is interesting. You talked about imposter syndrome, and, and I think that a lot of people – Um, do wonder, do they have the wherewithal? And we kind of assume that everybody who has already succeeded or has been perceived as successful, that they either were born with it or they've already gone through all the steps and now they're 100% comfortable and confident in doing whatever it is that they need to do uh, to advance their careers, advance their organizations. I submit, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, that many, if not most, maybe even all, People minimally experience butterflies and, and nervousness when it comes to performing, regardless of how many times they've done it. But I would even go so far as to say all or almost all of us second guess ourselves at some level almost all the time. Meaning to say, it's not like you have imposter syndrome and you're kind of like this this you know outcast, this this exception within within society. I think most people within society deal with this, and we constantly ask ourselves are we really good enough? And it's often the, the the bosses that need to have their ego stroked the most, Yeah, you know, uh, because they wonder themselves, were they really justified or were, were they justified in being hired and being elevated to the position that they're in? Yeah. I,
0: I would say as an entrepreneur, that things are even more elevated. Your emotional intelligence is being tested to the limit. I mean, one minute you feel like you have everything. And then the next, I mean, it's just the emotions are up and down, up and down. Um, and the amount of no's that you get, the amount of what people will give you negative feedback. And if you don't have that perseverance and that that self-reserve, if you don't have that, that flexible mindset, if you don't understand that failure is okay, it just means that you need to do something different or go about it in a different way. Um, it's going to be hard. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, one minute you're on top of the world, the next minute, you know, uh, like you said, because you're out hunting per se, everything matters. And 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 every second, you know, nothing is guaranteed. And so even if you accomplish this, it's still something else that you have to set a goal and keep accomplishing. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think, the the but the payoff is the 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 payoff is good if you're if you're excellent at it or if you're able to execute it. I, yeah. I know that a lot of cultures they look at uh, entrepreneur as the top. They send their smartest individual to be entrepreneur. Where where other cultures they send their smartest individuals to be doctors and lawyers. Uh, and so, it, and like I said, in other cultures, the, the the doctors and lawyers are kind of your second tier. One is because the entrepreneur can change a generation. A doctor and lawyer can change their immediate family. Uh, and so it's it, I think it's, you know, it's important. It's an important skill that we need to teach in, in school, that critical thinking and that uh problem solving, um, the way that entrepreneurs go through things.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of it I think it's it is cultural, but I also think it's personality-based. So there are people who are that, you know, you, you use the term smart. So smart we know is defined differently. You know, I might be what we call book smart or be able to retain a lot of information and apply that information and that would make me typically a good doctor lawyer or other type of professional other people might be smart in terms of their creativity in terms of seeing what's not actually currently visible being able to imagine a new reality and utilize that intelligence now it's obviously not a monolithic set of intelligences where you're either this or you're that if you're an entrepreneur you've got smarts in a variety of ways and i would say the same about medical professionals too but to your point I think that it is largely driven by your culture, you know, who who's in your ear, especially at a younger age, who's encouraging you, who, you know, how much tolerance there is for failure in your in your house, in your community, in your school, right? Is failure, is failure viewed as a zero-sum game? You win or you lose, or is failure viewed as a step in the process, like you were articulating? And I think the very best salespeople, for example, they have a winning mindset which in effect says that every no is one step closer to my next yes yeah. so they use it as motivation but you have to think in those terms you have to know that that's it's almost like a demystification like you have to be willing to to see the world more broadly than the black and white that many of us typically see it as
0: I agree I agree um I agree I also would say that in our school systems that we actually don't overtly teach it. Um, And that's something that that needs to be taught in schools. You're successful if you can memorize facts and and regurgitate, you know, regurgitate information. Um, But in the world to come, the digital ecosystem that that these children are going to live in now, that memorization or regurgitation of facts have nothing to do with anything because my phone I can right now I can use chat GPT and pull up anything. Right but it's how do you critically think through it how do you apply it how do you use those kind of skills and that's kind of what I was referring to not that it has to lead to being an entrepreneur but there are, are problem solving and collaboration and communication all those things that has to happen that needs to be direct taught now in school systems uh in order to prepare people for the future or our leaders of tomorrow
1: right and that goes back to you know our teachers themselves again this is not a educators podcast, but you can't help yourself (laughs) when you got two educators talking, um, that educators also, we tend to be focused on delivering content, right? So if I'm asked to teach uh, English or history or whatever subject, my assumption is that the main thing I need to do is make sure that my students know the facts, be able to apply those facts to specific circumstances. But it's not so simple to sort of create, It, it can be done and it is being done more, but you know, to the idea of, of getting people to think, getting kids to think creatively, to have them really enter the real world with usable skills that yeah. actually, you know, I was sitting in a classroom very recently and the teachers talked about, remember, we had that conversation about school versus real life and how, you know, school doesn't prepare you for real is like the teacher talking. And, <laughs> and so he then did a writing assignment with the kids like, okay, if you could add one thing to the curriculum that currently isn't there. It could be a skill. It could be content. What would it be? That's that was the writing assignment, because, you know, we're coming to the realization more and more that kids are spending 12 years through high school plus or more plus, you know, however many years in college and oftentimes walking out the door with nothing actually usable. Right. And so that's why it's so important, both in the educational space. And I think as parents, anyone who's who has responsibility or even as bosses, or, or leaders in the workplace to be mindful of do the people who work for me, who report to me, who I'm responsible for have the skills that they're going to need as they venture further out into their careers. And how can I mindfully and intentionally work them or help them work towards the, those outcomes? Right. And leaders,
0: leaders, leaders have, uh, even more daunting task or, or, um, Because even now, um, you know, leadership used to be United States companies. If they were overseas, they were overseas to one country. They were international. Pretty soon they were called multi-international. Now they're global companies. And so as a leader, your employee may be local or or maybe overseas or or anywhere. And so how do you, you know, how do you virtually uh, connectively? How do you lead a team? How do you, you know, develop that, the, the things that are necessary that you need for this company to be successful in a global society? And and then the reverse happens in the school system is that the knowledge is that we need to, kids need to understand that you're no longer competing against your neighbor. Are you no longer competing against someone, you know, in, a, in, a, in another area, but you're competing, competing against kids globally, that have a different level of focus, that have a different level of why I need to be successful and are hungry and are and are or you know are, have been schooled and educated in a different way than students in the United States have been educated for. And then uh, again, as a leader, how do you how do you mix that and then the aspect of automation, whether it's white collar or blue collar automation, robotics, and, and all those things, because then it's going to be adults working alongside robots and, <laughs> in order to put forth a product or in order to uh, uh, for have a, a company go. And so it's a it's a it's a large task to start preparing leaders for leaders of the future. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your books. So, uh, you know, three books. One is. Um, um, uh, one of one is a is a strong uh, I feel leadership book is called Execution by Firing Squad, Effective Leadership When You're the Target. Uh and it's it's kind of a, a leadership book that takes you through um uh, a company or organization that is that that is you know negative, that's disruptive, that has a bad culture. Uh mm-hmm. and so even when I was leading it, you know, they would cut my brakes. Um you know, I had, uh, I was held at gunpoint, you know, all, all those kind of things. Wow. How do you get the community and everybody focused on the right things? And then I kind of talk about uh, leadership philosophies and tidbits, you know, uh, especially how to lead in the future, how to prepare leaders for the future and those kind of things. Uh, another book that I wrote was called Stop Dribbling Footballs. Uh, and Stop Dribbling Footballs is, is. I can only imagine what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was illustrated by the guy who did. Um, the Rugrats, uh, and then the 64 episodes of The Simpsons. So it's pretty well illustrated. And it can go back and forth between, you know, a, kind of a, a, a children's book and then also for the adults of how to to uh, work with people. Um, but but long story short, it's, it's about a person that's functioning with the wrong framework. Uh, so he's dribbling the football, is playing with the basketball framework as opposed to a football framework. And the the end result is that you need to direct teach behavior. A lot of people think you should know better or, you
1: know, uh, oh, you yeah, know, that's very important. Yeah. Or, or not just the, for students.
0: Yeah. Not just for students. Our, our, our mistake that I made as a leader was I felt like, uh, you know, everybody, you know, if they wasn't living up to expectations, they need to be fired. And I had to realize you cannot fire yourself out of this situation that you have to build in the capacity of people, um, that you, you know have to build in the capacity of, of, of the adults uh, in order to strengthen your organization. Uh, and then the last one is um, uh, the truth behind student behavior. And so it's more of a social emotional framework that's talking about the impetus of why people do what they do.
1: Yeah, I, I love each topic. I'm sort of thinking about that middle one for a moment. And just the idea that oftentimes, I think we think about ourselves, let alone what we think about other people. We think about ourselves that if we achieve excellence in the path that we set out for ourselves, let's say education. So if I become a great teacher, eventually the assumption is I'll get promoted. And oftentimes that does happen. Well, what we don't realize with that promotion is that we need a totally different, a completely different set of skills yep. than what brought us to this point. So until now, if I was a great pedagogue if I, if I delivered clear content, if I understood instruction and um, assessed well, whatever it might be, motivated my students, I would be excellent and I would get recognized. But What you need to do as a principal vis-a-vis your teachers is different. There might be some elements that are similar, but a lot of elements are different. And that's true in almost any space. You know, somebody who gets promoted, maybe you're a great salesperson, you get promoted to, to, to sales lead, you know, the manager. And now your responsibility is not so much to pick up the phone and sell, but it's to set goals. It's to motivate. It's to help people understand why they're slipping. It's to provide them with tools and resources. It's just completely different framework. And I think leaders don't necessarily realize that most of their success is not the technical know-how that um, that they, they used to rely on. Now it's more about the soft skills. Now it's more about the leadership, the communication, the productivity, all of those things. And I'm curious to get your take on it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, one of the... <clears throat> Hardest transitions that I always see is a teacher becoming an administrator, um, because you got to understand that you were excellent with students, but your job now is not students. Your job is to help adults who help kids, right? And so to motivate, influence, all those kind of things, to build teams, to to get buy-in, to kind of have, I always believe in a horizontal leadership style instead of a vertical, uh, you know, and, and plus this generation, vertical leadership styles, you will lose people. Uh, you will lose good people in your organization, so you have to have a horizontal, more of a collaborative leadership style, where where you you have committees and you you know you have everyone making decisions. But as a leader, your job is to get them to make a decision that, that to to buy in the vision that you set, and their decisions that they're making are not decisions that they normally would have chosen. That you're getting them to buy in, you know, to make decisions within your parameters uh, and those kind of things. And yeah, so that's 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 I think that's a different twist is that you're no longer that strong technical person like you said. And one of the important things is understanding the hidden rules. that's kind of what the book also insinuated that uh-huh. every every uh, company has a, a set of hidden rules that you need to first you know observe and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of leaders there, there's a philosophy. if if it's a company that's in disarray that you yeah. come in automatically make a lot of changes. If it's a company that's flowing well, you you come in and you observe, right? You have time to observe and make those changes. But one of the things that I like to suggest to a leader is that you never burn a bridge until you know why it was built. Uh, and I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is that they start eliminating things and and without understanding the history behind it. it and sometimes there are great reasons why this is in fact, and then you have to end up going back and either re reinstatement or, or, or trying to fix the problem that mm. you created
1: by just automatically burning that bridge, I'm sort of fixating on that uh, on that quote I've never heard before. Don't burn a bridge that you don't until you know until you know why it was built. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so we're going to transition now to the rapid fire segment, short and sweet responses. How often does someone mention the other Doctor Phil to you? Very often, very often. <laughs> and even even
0: people who read the bio. Uh, they think that I'm some old you know guy and, and this and the other but yeah it's it's often and it's funny too <laughs> the funniest mistake you've ever seen AI make the funniest mistake I've ever seen AI make um so f- for uh a, a platform that that I was developing before it's 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 actually a voice that so someone had an accent mm. and 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 it interpret
1: that accent Worked, four letter words that this person really didn't say. <laughs> Very funny. A famous person, living or deceased, who you'd like to speak with? Uh, You know, I, I would like to, um,
0: a famous person, that's a good question, a famous person right now that I would like to talk Living to. or deceased? Living or deceased.
1: Um,
0: I would like to talk to Albert Einstein. Hmm. Because the, the wisdom and, and information that he had way before his years, like, how did that happen? I hear you. you know, know. We're, we're still developing some of the things that he has drafted and, and, and drew out.
1: Two tips to staying fit physically and or mentally.
0: Um. Two tips. So one is you are what you eat.
1: I mean, okay. you, you have to. Uh, and two is you have to stay active. Mm. And then finally, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done.
0: Um, I would say setting goals, uh, and, and, and marking them off using your technology to, to set those goals and, and, and kind of like a checklist and mark things off.
1: Perfect timing. Cause I'm about to roll out a goal setting, uh, course. So, uh, perfect. Excellent. All right. Dr. Phil, the Dr. Phil, tell us <laughs> more about where people, people can find you, connect with you, learn more about your work.
0: Yeah. So, um, one, you can go directly to our website, which is www.playbookeducation.com. And Playbook is spelled P-L-A-B-O-O-K uh, because it's a multi slavic word. The vowel can scream its name. It's not a reading app that I didn't know how to, to spell. <laughs> uh, and then the other is uh, on, on Dr. Phil on my on my LinkedIn. Um, and, and then, yeah, everything else should be in the show notes. Awesome.
1: Okay. So you've shared a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. Great story. Uh, share us, p- Share with us, please, before you go, one final life lesson. Um,
0: one life hack for me is 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 that I I think you need to have kind of your mantra or or saying. Mine is, once a task has just begun, never leave it till it's done. Be a labor, great or small, do it well or not
1: at all. Mm, nice stuff, and I, I need to memorize more of these too. You're you're just rolling them out today. Awesome, <laughs> great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really look forward educator and educator to uh you know staying connected and seeing your success and um yeah thanks so much for being with me best of luck and um continue to do what you're doing it's a real inspiration
0: hey thank you I really appreciate you inviting me to the show
1: bye-bye now Thanks so much for listening
0: to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen.